CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. And hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler today. And uh, I'm pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And lo- so looking forward to your Bible questions today. We've got all the lines open right now, but one. And so if you want to give us a call with a Bible question, just call 8888-ASK-CSN. 8888-ASK-CSN. There's several banks open, and uh, you can get your question in there quickly to be sure that we will get to it. I'd love to get your question. And uh, with me today... As my co-host is Brad Dacus, the founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute, doing incredible legal work uh, on behalf of the Lord and the church and uh, Christian causes all over the United States of America. And Brad, good to have you with us today. Oh, great to be on the program. I appreciate it. So looking forward to talking with you. And I know what's on everybody's mind is the elections last night. This is This is a Bible call in program for sure. But what was on the ballot? Uh, Many biblical issues. And so what everybody was calling for, you know, the red wave and all of this certainly uh, was not. You couldn't surf on this wave. No, this was not (laughs) a red wave. Um, And so there's a lot of people confused what happened. And now I'm not saying woe to the Republican Party, because I say all the time on this program, I vote for Issues, biblical issues and biblical values, not a person, not a personality, not a party, but biblical values. And so, you know, assuming that biblical values like life, freedom of speech, right to bear arms and so on and so forth were on the ballots uh, last night and yesterday, there's a lot of people wondering what happened. I think, Brad, and I'll toss this your way because I know this was close to your heart. But I, but of all the news that came in, the one that really grieved me, saddened me, I had to go pray. I had to just give this to God. And that is Prop 1 passing in California that allows for children to be aborted all the way up to the ninth month. We're talking about fully viable uh, children that could easily live outside the womb, fully formed human beings being aborted. And last time I saw, uh, it was like 69% of Californians voted for that. Brad, I, I have to tell you, that to me is just a mind twister. I can't imagine that. It's like, you know, the, the adjectives fail. I, I think of, I'll be real honest. It, it's, to me, it's depraved. It's, um, inhumane. It's, you know, how can you vote? to take a child fully formed nine months in the mother's womb could live immediately outside the womb, feeling pain, fully aware, fully conscious and kill it. I, I without, so yeah, without painkillers, without any pain, pain yeah. at all. It's, it's a very torturous death actually. Um, and it, I think people need to understand that, you know, California, the legislature just recently passed a law legalizing infanticide up to 30 days after a baby's born, uh, so long as it can be justified as somehow pregnancy-related. It's a very vague term, so it's very broad. 
for killing babies after they're born. Um, and then we also have the, the uh, prostitution protection bill, uh, protecting prostitutes from being harassed by police officers. Uh, mm. We have the kidnappers protection bill that uh, protects kidnappers if they kidnap a child from another state and bring them to California. If the purpose is to have the, the body parts cut on and injected to try to change how their gender looks uh, and comes across. This is just evil legislation. Well, now this is different because this abortion uh, uh, proposition, which amends the state constitution to protect abortion all the way up to the moment the baby is born, no restrictions, no limitations, no painkillers. It is it's something that was adopted and voted upon, voted upon by the people of California. That's different than the legislature or the state Supreme Court or U.S. Supreme Court. This is the people. And it's not just a, a bare minimum. This was about a two-to-one victory for the, the pro-baby killers. And that's so this is on the blood now, on the hands, directly, literally on the hands of all these voters up, up and down all throughout California. Um, and I... I can't help but wonder, uh, you know, you know, how to the extent to which uh, we're 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 begging for some kind of uh, reprisal, some kind of discipline, if you will, or judgment uh, from God when the people themselves vote for this. That there's a higher level of culpability that comes, mm-hmm. and the people themselves are responsible for it, and they can't. We can't blame anyone else, not any longer. You're listening to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth. And with me, Brad Dacus, the founder and president of Pacific Justice Institute. And if you want to give us a call with a question, 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 8888-ASK-CSN. Got a couple of lines still open. Give us a call with your question. And you know, Brad, responding to that, I have to go back to some Bible history. We know that uh, Judah and Israel both were seduced into Baal worship and the worship of the, the idol Molech, and that they would literally take their newborn children and they would place them into the red-hot hands of this uh, stone idol and where they would be burned to death, placed on the altar and burned to death unto this God. We know from reading Bible history that they would sing and chant loudly so that they didn't have to hear the cries of the baby. And so we read things like that. And, you know, I've read it since I read the Bible years and years ago. And I would write little things in the margin, like how depraved can you get? Or um, look at the degeneracy that idolatry brings you into. Uh, talk about something monstrous. And yet now, we're doing what they did. We're sacrificing our children on the altar of convenience. Let's face it. Let, can we, let's be honest. Most abortions have nothing to do with the mother's health, right. nothing to do with, uh, you know, the mother being in danger, nothing and, and nothing to do with that. Even though they're always calling it a health issue, it has nothing to do with a health issue. Right. The abortion is taking place for convenience for the most part. For right. convenience, I don't want to have to raise a child right now. It's a hassle right now, so let's just get rid of it. But when you go up into six months and nine months, you're taking a human being. Now, I, I believe that life begins at conception. Don't get me wrong. But when you're talking about the ninth month, eighth month, 
up into that arena and you're aborting that child and 69% of Californians voted for that, at least last time I looked, then you have to go back to the Old Testament stories of idolatry. Even Solomon was seduced in his old age by his many pagan wives, and he built altars for Molech and involved himself in this very thing. It's shocking because, you know, Solomon, you know, wisest man on the earth and, you know, gave us the Proverbs, gave us Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. And yet he, even he went there. So Brad, I, I can't help but think of that when you look at what's happening in America. And I agree with you. How can God sit by and see this wholesale slaughter of children and not finally act? I, I, you know, I believe that he will. I do. I don't know how that works out. I'm not God, but, uh, this is just something that I know you didn't think and I didn't think growing up we would ever see in America. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And unfortunately, California is not alone. Uh, Michigan also, uh, we're not talking about, I mean, you know, it's the New York here. We're talking about Michigan, uh, adopted at the ballot something very similar to California. And then Kentucky, they had on their, uh, their ballot an amendment to their state constitution simply saying that, um, it is not a, a fundamental right under the state constitution to, to have an abortion, leaving it up to the legislature, mm. you know, but just, just saying it's, it's not a, a right under the constitution to prevent judicial activism by state Supreme court justices that was shot down in Kentucky. Um, so mm. some people say, well, these weren't worded properly. And the wording was deceptive uh, for Michigan and California. Um, I, I get that to some degree, but two to one, no, um, this is this is indicative, I believe, of the the heart of uh, of the the majority of the people in California, which has grown very dark and rebellious against God, and we see it manifest in in many other ways as well here on the West Coast in Oregon and Washington State as well. Um, so it's um, it's something that we have to look at. I think as a wake up call. Also, if you don't mind me just saying, I'd like to point out. I mean, some Christians get discouraged after elections. I, I want to just give some some points of truth. One is uh, to put this in perspective. One is the fact that um, whether whether it's through blessings or through judgment and discipline, God is always glorified. Um, you know, God mm-hmm. in the end always wins. If you look in the Old Testament, no matter what Israel did, one way or the other, whether God was blessing them or disciplining him, God was still glorified. His righteousness was still. Uh, evident and uh, and and uh, that's one. And number two, uh, we're not held accountable for what our state did as individual Christians. We're held accountable to what we did. Were we obedient with what God gave us to do? Did we vote? Did we vote biblically, uh, or did we vote selfishly, or just not vote out of laziness? Um, and so, if people did what they're supposed to do, and they're and they're and, and ideally, we should be praying also for those in authority and praying for elections. In the end, we leave it to the Lord and uh, and know that, you know, because we don't know where we are in the time frame. We don't know if God is about to, you know, discipline our nation and therefore uh, allow this, you know, evil to come to the surface, uh, which it often happens as a precept to, to discipline biblically in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Yeah, We don't know. We have to trust in the Lord, be obedient, and know also that in the end, it's uh, Revelations is still intact. 
nothing's taking God by surprise. We just need to be obedient and non-discouraged uh, because of the hope that, that is within us, which is our faith in Jesus Christ. Exactly. And, you know, uh, that's a good point, Brad, because speaking of what they did in, with Judah and Israel and sacrificing the children on the altars, um, God did bring them into judgment, and that's one of the main reasons he did. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, you see God repeating over and over. He, he mentions the shedding of innocent blood over and over and over. And then when he, when he brings up through Jeremiah the sacrificing of these children to Molech, God makes the point, I did not order this, neither did it ever enter my mind. In other words, even God saying, it's unthinkable to me. And they were taken to judgment. But one of our favorite Bible verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, give you a future. And to give you a hope was the context was it was spoken to the people that were in captivity, Judah, God telling them, yes, you're being heavily judged and chastened, but I'm not done with you and I've got good things for you in the future. So as you said, even in judgment, God is glorified and he still has a plan and he is never, ever checkmated by the devil. Right. So uh, let's go to the phones. We've got uh, all the phone, uh, all the phone lines are taken. Let's go now to Bruce in Redding, California. Bruce, how can we help today? Well, hello, gentlemen. I am so blessed to be able to uh, tune in here this every day. I, it's just amazing. Well, my question is, I just, we, I got oh, last year the God of Wonders DVD and how it is amazing to minister to people. Well, I've got my fourth family member with this I'm dying of cancer right now. And uh, it's a brother that I've never liked. We've never battled. We've, he's, he's evil. But I just, God has been telling me to go minister to him. And so I've been going over and talking with him. And it is the most difficult thing I think I've done in my life. But this God of wonders, I'm bringing it over tonight. And I think it's it, it's going to be a change in him. Because I, uh, I just told him the other day, I said, you know, brother, I don't like you, but I love you. And I know mm-hmm. that God's going to give you a second chance if you just asked for him. And he shut up and he listened to me after I said that. But uh, my first thing, I just want to praise you guys. Thank you for what you do because you made a big difference in my life. But my question is, we, Mike always talks about cults and people that start a cult. Well, what happens if somebody starts a cult and there's a, millions of people that fall prey to it but right before he dies or passes this earth, he turns it over and asks for forgiveness. And he accepts the Lord. I mean, that is a hard thing to look at. Like like somebody like Hitler and what he did, it just, it's hard to accept. I understand it because I know the thief on the cross, you know, he didn't do the sinner's prayer. He just uh, asked Jesus, remember me in paradise. So how do I tell my friend that we had a conversation about this, about this? What? What'd be a good way to approach this? Well, first of all, I'm glad that you're going over there and talking to him. And I, I like your honesty. I don't like him, but I love him. That's that's honest. So, and I hear you. You don't have to like people to love them. So good point. But now, uh, to your point about the cults and somebody who starts one and millions of people, let's say Joseph Smith, Mormons, millions and millions of people have fallen prey to that 
uh, cultic teaching and uh, false teaching. Now, if Joseph Smith had repented, would he have been forgiven? My answer is yes, because the Bible is very clear that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And the promise is to whosoever will, whosoever will let him come. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then you've got to remember Paul, who was Saul. And when Paul was Saul, uh, before he was saved, he did terrible things to the church. By his own admission, he several times, he gives his testimony in the book of Acts, for instance. Uh, he testifies to having uh, torn families apart, dragged Christians to jail. Now imagine this. Here's Saul, who became the great apostle Paul, but he literally coerced blasphemy out of the mouths of Christians. He forced them to renounce Christ by torture. That's Saul. Saul was a, was a bad dude. Listen, he was, he was one of these people, uh, he's super religious. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees by his own admission. And that religion without Christ made him mean. And he was the terror of the church. And yet when he repented, Christ forgave him. He, he had killed people. He had had people killed. Uh, he, terrible things. I don't know how many Christians died because of Saul before he was Paul, but there were many. And yet he says, Christ forgave me. And he became as bad as he was as a persecutor. He became just that good and powerful as an apostle. Whatever Saul put his mind to as Saul or Paul, he did it with zeal. He did it with excellence. And when he became the servant of the Lord, uh, listen, he, he knocked the walls down. He's my favorite New Testament character, Paul. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree. When I, I do a lot of uh, guest preaching at churches and, um, and we're, we're talking about, Second uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, where he says, you know, finally it is laid up for me the uh, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And uh, then not only to me, but also to all who, who love his appearing. And I point out to him, I say, you know, so I go, wait a minute, Paul, he used to be Saul. This guy used to be the Osama bin Laden of the early church. I mean, this guy was a living nightmare. Uh, and yet um, it wasn't about... Saul, it was about what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the power on the, and the completeness of the cross. I think sometimes, you know, even, uh, you know, Satan likes to deceive uh, as individuals, not about others, but just ourselves mm-hmm. to say, you know, well, you, you've done too many evil things. You know, you, you can't be forgiven. Uh, tries to put limitations on the power of the cross. And, and Christians say, how can God forgive me for this? Because I can't even forgive myself. When they do that, it's the same as walking up to Jesus on the cross, and he's dying on the cross for your sins in pain and agony, bearing the, 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 the sins of our lives. And we walk up to him and we say, nice try, Jesus, but you see, for me, that's just not good enough. And his response on the cross was, it is finished. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is believe it and receive it, and he will separate that sin as far as the east is from the west no matter how ugly, no matter how bad the sin, that is the power of the cross and Christ's crucifixion and resurrection for all who choose to believe. So um, yeah. without a doubt, we once we start 
putting people in categories like, well, they're just they're 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 too too much of a sinner. What we're really saying is what Jesus did on the cross just wasn't good enough, and we know that it was. Exactly. Hope that helps, Bruce. Oh, that helps so much. You know, I, I'm from California too, and I got up this morning uh, very discouraged, but I just went out and I did my prayer time, and and I felt such a sense of peace because I I realized God's in control and all His plans are coming to fruition right now, and we just have to understand that. That's exactly right. God is always in control. There's lots of times in history where people have just not understood. So many Jewish people uh, after the Holocaust walked away from God saying, how could there be a God if that was allowed? And there are certain things we're never going to understand fully until we're on the other side. Even speaking of Paul, the Apostle Paul said, on this earth, we see through a glass darkly. In other words, our understanding is darkened. We don't have crystal clear understanding, but the day will come that we will. And that's on the other side. But until then, when you don't understand God's hand, you trust God's heart. And I do trust the character of God. So Bruce, thank you for calling in. Great question. Great conversation. Stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of CDs, DVDs, uh, books, whatever they choose to give you for calling in. And uh, you be blessed there in California. Let's go right now to Montana. And hello, Scott in Montana. Yes, hi there. First of all, I want to thank you for taking my call. And uh, I respect you and Mike. You guys are amazing. Your program is wonderful. It definitely feeds me to it. Anyway, when I get a chance to listen to it. But I'm greatly disturbed. And I'm just going to, I'm speaking for everybody. When I saw the results of the elections and I see the evil and the atrocities against unborn children and born children. And I think, where is God in all this? Now, that's a redundant question. I get that. However, there's more. I look at the heavens. I look at biology. I look at the cells. I look at the earth. I look at everything. And I see God so clearly. It is so obvious. Even a non-Christian could see that. But where I get confused is when I see God working in people's lives and working in governments and stuff, I don't see it. And I think to myself, you guys say God is in control. Really? If God is in control, it wouldn't be this way. And if God were in control, wouldn't, if you were God, wouldn't you feel like, oh my gosh, maybe they're not going to believe me anymore. So my point is, is this stuff is so out of control. Where is God in all this? I don't get it. And I don't like it. I hear you. And and you know what, Scott, what you're saying right now is being voiced and and thought about by people all over the United States of America uh, in, in this respect, this abortion law. It's just an atrocity. It is truly depraved. There's no other word to attach to it. It's depraved. It's personal selfishness gone into the realm of insanity. It, it, it's just so many things. Now, to your question and your perplexity and even your anger, um, when you look at Scripture, and I thank God for the Bible, because the Bible gives us thousands of years of history through the lens of God, through God's eyes. And if you look at that Bible history, you see so many times iniquity would abound, horrible things would be going on for a long stretch of time. And if you had lived in those times, you would have said what we're saying right now. For instance, go back to Noah's day. All right, the antediluvian 
civilization, that is, those that lived before the flood. The antediluvians, the Bible tells us in Genesis 6 and a couple of other places that the earth was filled with violence. There were giants in the earth. They were bloodthirsty. They were cutthroat. They were killers, murderers. They were spooky. These were bad, bad people. And violence literally had covered the whole planet. Bloodshed was everywhere. So here comes God, and God speaks to Noah. Calls Noah out of, out of the population of the earth, and he says, Noah, my spirit's not always going to strive with man. Now, if I heard God say that, I'd think, okay, God's about to rock and roll here. God's about to take some action and bring judgment. But no, God said, Noah, I'm going to give the earth 120 years. And during that time, you're going to build an ark and you're going to preach because Peter tells us Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So not only was he building the ark and his sons helping him build it, God gave him the blueprint and it took 120 years to build. But all the while he's doing that, he's warning his congregation or uh, his civilization, his neighbors, the, the, or the world of that day, the antediluvians. He's warning them. I mean, the man is preaching coming judgment. But the Bible says no one listened to him. He didn't have a solitary convert, not one. The only people on that ark were Noah, Mrs. Noah, his sons and their wives. That's it. And eight people. That was it after 120 years of preaching. But now, to your point, Scott, if you had lived during that 120 years, let's say you were there right after Noah had gotten that word, and you looked around every day, constant bloodshed, constant pain, violence to the max, and yet it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. Would you not have been tempted to say, where in the world is God? Why would God wait 120 years? Peter gave us the answer. He's long-suffering, not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. That's one Bible answer I go to all the time. Why is God allowing this? Why doesn't he close it all up today? Wrap this whole thing up and send Jesus Christ and end it. Well, we're up on a break. And Scott, I don't want you to go anywhere because I want to come back and talk to you a little bit more. And we want to hear from Brad. So folks, stay tuned for more of To Every Man and Answer. We're getting great questions. We'll see you in just a moment. Stay tuned. The abortion pill now accounts for over 50% of all abortions and is readily available in all states. Preborn Ministry continues to stand with women in crisis in their darkest hour and bring hope and life. After Marissa took the abortion pill, she immediately regretted it, but Preborn was there for her. Look at that baby. Look how beautiful he is. Look at that. Abortion pill reversal actually works. This here's heartbeat. By the amazing grace of God, this baby was saved, but there are so many more who need our help. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives and sharing the heart of Jesus, call 855 668 
baby. That's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To the best of our ability, this is what we do here at CSN, the Christian Satellite Network. We send the gospel out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, reaching many people across the nation. CSN is a listener-supported radio network, and supporting the Lord's work in these days of uncertainty is still the Christian's call. Join with us as the Lord guides you in your financial support of CSN. Send your donation to CSN International. Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. You can also donate online at csnradio.com. Call today with your financial support at 800-357-4226. Again, our address is CSN International. Post Office Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, sitting in for Mike Kessler, and uh, so good to have you with us today. We're answering some great Bible questions. With me is Brad Dacus, the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, incredible legal foundation founded by Brad, doing great work all over America on behalf of Christians and Christian causes. And uh, we're talking to Scott, who's very, very uh, distressed and as, as am I over among other things that happened yesterday in the voting, uh, this proposition one in California was overwhelmingly voted in, uh, where babies can be aborted up to the ninth month. It's incomprehensible. It's depraved, but it happened. And as Brad so, uh, wisely pointed out, this was not just legislators doing it. But the citizens voted for this. 69% last time I looked had voted for this horrific, horrendous abomination of a bill where, again, a baby can be aborted at nine months. And Scott is distressed about it and wanted to know where is God in all this. And Scott, are you still with us? Yes, I am. I want to read a couple of verses and then I'm going to hand it over to Brad. But here we go, Uh, Scott. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he's long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we're being told by Peter under the moving of the spirit that God's not slack. God sees all this. He knows all this, but he's long suffering not wanting anybody to perish. In other words, he waits and waits until iniquity has reached a place of no return. Only God knows where that line in the sand is. Uh, one more verse in the same chapter. Peter says, and we account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long suffering of our Lord results in salvations. So one, one thought I turn to when stuff like this happens, which again is so disturbing, so deeply disturbing, especially that the citizenry 
voted this in, um, is God is in control. And he was in control of the people of Noah's day and of their very time and the place and the way that he would finally bring judgment. But Scott, when judgment came, it came and there was no stopping it. And God wiped out the entire population of the earth. The only thing that lived was marine life. So Brad, your thoughts. Yeah, first off, um, God knows the hearts of the people who voted that way before they ever voted that way. He already knows that. And yet, as just as a parent, well, sometimes they'll, they'll know what a child is thinking or what they're, they're conniving to do. Uh, the parent won't spank the child ahead of time saying, you know, because the child's not being disciplined. The child doesn't know why they're being spanked. Uh, what the parent does is when the child does the action, then they discipline, and it's very clear. Um, in this situation, I'm not sure what God's going to be doing, but this is just a possibility. Um, we know that sometimes biblically, you know, God didn't just look at the hearts of the people. He um, He allowed their their sin to be manifest. So when his judgment came, it was very clear to the people of Israel why they were being judged and why they were facing that. Uh, I, You know, this could very well be a precursor to something that God is intending to do to humble the people uh, for their actions, to discipline the people or, or judge the people. Um, with that also comes great opportunity for evangelism. Uh, when people's earth is uh, is rocked, either literally or figuratively, and they no longer feel like they're in control, they're humbled and they're open to the Lord. And especially when they see this, uh, things like this happening after their direct rebellion against God, uh, that's sometimes uh, historically, biblically, an opportunity uh, for repentance and for revival. Uh, that's just a hypothetical. I'm not God. We don't. We don't know exactly what He's doing and how He's doing it. That's just one uh, possibility. Second is we need to remember that that we have to have uh, free will. And if we, it, you know, we say, well, why is there all this sin in the world? This is terrible. Well, it's because people have free will, and part of their free will is to commit sin. And if God did not allow sin, He would not allow free will. And God is a God who. who didn't, didn't create zombies. He didn't create us as as flowers um, that just automatically bloom without any will. Uh, he created, gave us free will, and with that free will, is is necessitates the existence of sin, and hopefully followed by repentance and then revival. But um, that's that's part of the, the the price for rebellion against God and and us having the free will to accept or reject that personal relationship with God that he affords and allows us to have if we choose to uh, to humble ourselves and receive him. And Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Exactly. And again, it says, uh, Peter also talks about, he, he puts it this way, the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Now that's a, that's a powerful verse. The long suffering of God waited. And yet there wasn't one convert. But still, the long-suffering of God waited. So, Scott, uh, I hope this helps. Listen, I get it. I do. I understand your distress. It is so disturbing to me. I told my wife this morning, I said, I feel like I'm in a Stephen King horror movie. When you think about it, it's creepy. It's not just a, a terrible law, but it's 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 creepy. It's spooky. The, 
a whole state of people could vote this kind of horrible thing in. And uh, anyway, Scott, I hope this helps. Jeff, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I love the program. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I don't like the answer because my logic is different, but I know that's what God has. Nothing I can do about it. I just, uh, I'm, I'm still disturbed about it, but I appreciate your information. Thank you, gentlemen. I- well, I am too, Scott, and you've got a heart, and I'm so glad you've got a heart. And uh, we love you in Christ, man. Thank you uh, there in Montana. And listen, give it to God because we are living in truly perilous, dangerous times Yes, of great perplexity. You know, I think of it says Lot was vexed in his soul every single day by the things he saw and the things he heard from the citizens of Sodom. I used to read that and go, wow, that must have been terrible. But you know what? I'm I'm pretty much there. I'm if I read the news every day, my soul is vexed, truly vexed uh, by what I see and what I hear every day coming out of this culture. We need to be looking up, giving it to God and preaching the gospel of Christ everywhere we can because I guarantee you the long suffering of God is waiting for that last soul to be saved. All right, thanks God for the great call. Prayers are with you. Let's go to Donna in Oregon. Donna, how can we help? Are you there, Donna? Hello, Donna. Donna, are you there? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Hello. We're here. You're on the air, Donna. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I just want to ask you guys and everyone who's listening to please pray for my sister, Danny. She's got rheumatoid arthritis, and she's just really suffering with it, and it's just wrecking her life, and I just want so much for her to have healing, so I just wanted to ask for prayer for her. It is an incredibly painful affliction. Uh, just you, you live with pain, and so... Uh, we will. What's your sister's name, Donna? Danny. Danny. Okay. Let's pray for Danny. Father, we give Danny to you. This is, there's people listening that are under the same affliction as Danny. Rheumatoid arthritis is a crippler. It's so painful. But Lord, your power is greater. And we ask you to bring healing to her and not just her, but many listening. And not just of arthritis, but of other afflictions. Lord, you are the Lord who heals. And we ask you to send your healing power to touch Danny and not just her body, but to encourage her in her heart that she would have courage from the Lord and encouragement from the Lord. And Lord, you call yourself the God of all comfort in the Bible. And we pray that you would comfort her in her affliction. And we thank you for it, Father, and for helping her to recover and find relief in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, Donna, our, our prayers are with you, and thank you for calling, and our prayers are with Danny, and may God help her. And you stay on the line, and we'll get you a couple of CDs, a couple of CDs or books uh, for calling in. And thank you, Donna, there in Oregon. And let's go now to Ty in Lockhart, Austin. Hello, Ty. You're kind of near me. How are you? How can we help? Uh, hello. So, um, so when I was younger, I thought I was saved, and to be honest, after like a while, I just kind of drifted away, and then 
I'm so I've recently come back and I wasn't sure if I was saved back then, but I gave my life back to Christ a few months ago, but uh, I'm just trying to figure out like where my heart is at. Cause I know I've, I've been listening to sermons a lot lately and I know that God's been convicting me a lot of stuff. Like yesterday with pastor Mike's sermons, he, I've been convicted all about money, but I'm trying to figure out where my heart is at because I feel like I don't love God like the agape love you're supposed to. I feel like I just kind of just love him, but not like I'm supposed to. Because whenever I repent, I feel like sometimes I don't feel very bad. That makes me a little worried. Well, two things quickly, Scott, then I'll let Brad chime in. Um, first of all, I don't love him perfectly either. I wish I did, but I don't. And uh, I think that every Christian listening would have to admit to the same. We love God. Uh, and we grow in our love for God, but it, it's never perfect where, uh, you know, ourselves don't get in and, and, um, selfishness and, um, you know, conflicts with our will and so on and so forth. Peter thought that he would never deny Christ, fail Christ. And he looked at his compadres, uh, the other 11 disciples and said, these all may forsake you, but I never will. Of course, we know that he fell flat on his face. Uh, when Jesus finally, uh, when he, when Jesus rose from the dead and went and confronted Peter at the seashore with an early morning fish fry, he asked him three questions that are very interesting in the Greek because he says to Peter, do you uh, agape me? Do you love me with an agape love? And Peter said in response, well, Lord, I phileo you, which is I have a friendship love. I've got a love for you, but it's not agape. Jesus then said a second time, do you agape me? Peter replied, Lord, I phileo you. That is, I have a friendship love for you, but I'm not about to boast and say that it's agape. But then Jesus sent the zinger and said, Peter, do you even phileo me? Are you even? And that's when it says Peter got grieved and said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you, that I have a love for you. It's not perfect, but I have a love for you. And Jesus all three times said, go feed my sheep. So my point is, it it was important for Peter to come to terms with the imperfections of his love for Christ. And that he wasn't overestimating himself, but he was saying, Lord, this is where I'm really at. And I want you to notice, uh, Ty, Jesus didn't rebuke him, didn't disown him, didn't discard him, didn't take his calling away from him. But he said, okay, now, now we're getting down to honest. You, you phileo me. You have a, you have a love for me, but it's not agape. But even so, Peter, go feed my sheep. So I think that's Ty where, uh, most of us are. We wish we love the Lord more. We're growing in love for him. And that's one of the fruits of the spirit, but it's never perfect. Brad, your thoughts. Yeah. Um, a couple of points is, is, uh, is that in uh, like second Timothy chapter two, um, it says, uh, it goes through, it says it's a trustworthy statement where if we died with him, we we'll also live with him. So if we surrender our lives to him, we die to the old self, surrender ourselves to him, we'll live with him. If we endure, uh, we'll also reign with him. So there's a, a, a benefit for continuing to, to run the race and, and enduring and, and, and meeting God's call in our life. 
this is if we deny him, he will also deny us. So if we actually just deny him, deny the, the Lord, reject his salvation, re- reject faith in Christ, uh, he'll deny us. But verse 13, this is the, the real uh, interesting one. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That is what he did on the cross and his promises of forgiveness and uh, redemption. It's a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. Um, that's all part of the, the, the Christian walk with God is is uh, him working with us, is sanctifying us. So don't be discouraged when you see things in your life that uh, that you you that you, you wish weren't there. Um, that's actually a good sign. The fact that you are having this conversation now, the fact that there's things that you say, "Gosh, this is bad," and I. I shouldn't want this. I, you know, you know, you've got that struggle. The second thing I'd like to point to, as far as that struggle, is if is read Romans chapter seven and Romans chapter eight, and it talks all about uh, that struggle. You know, verse twenty four, chapter seven, it says, "Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death?" And then uh, it says, uh, verse twenty five, "Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord." So that on the one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh, the law of sin. That that conflict will be there as believers when we our flesh wants sin and, and pleasure, and yet our heart and our and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we want to we know it's wrong and we wish it wasn't there. Um, and that's why we need to cling to the Lord and, and God through his sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and our walk with him will sharpen us and bring that love of Christ more and more into our lives as we humble and surrender ourselves more and more to him. Um, so I hope that's, hope that's encouraging to you. God takes us right where we are. He knows right where you are. And uh, he still loves you, and he wants to work with you just like he uh, wants to in Jeff's life and my life as well. Yeah. And Ty, the very fact you're calling in shows the Holy Spirit is working in you, because if he weren't, you wouldn't bother. So I hope that helps, right. Ty. Yes, sir. Wonderful. How are things in Austin? You doing okay? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I work in Austin. I actually live in Lockhart. Uh, well, I lived in Lockhart, mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah, well, I used to li- I used to live in Austin. I remember good old Guadalupe and all of that. But we won't go there. This is a national show. Uh, but I used to live in in Austin, and it's a it's a great great city. So, Ty, thank you so much for calling in. Great question. Not to worry. You're growing in Christ. You're doing fine. So let's uh, go now to Larry in Palm Desert, California. Hello, Larry. How can we help? Uh, good, good afternoon, gentlemen. Can How you are me? you? Hi. Yes. Okay. You're on the air. Well, I, ha- I have I have a question because I've forgotten the scriptures, uh, but I also have a, an answer for that young man that or, uh, the, the gentleman that called in about the abortion thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he just needs to know under understand the character of God, and God's character is that he, as you pointed out to him, that he doesn't want anyone anyone to perish. But also, God is in control of the the children that that are, are that are aborted, and uh, he either takes them to heaven or he doesn't. But that's 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 his choice, and and usually I would say that, uh, from my point of view, he takes them to heaven. But oh, I totally agree. Yeah, he takes them to heaven oh. because they're before the age, they're before the age of accountability. God would never 
take a child whose life is short-circuited into eternity through abortion, uh, never would they be sent into a Christless eternity. So you're right there, Larry. Yeah, and and I, I just want him to uh, to understand that because he he made a comment uh, that he didn't understand that he didn't. Where, where is God? Well, he is there, and he's working on it, and, and and he's taking care of it. We don't know that, but I know that he do. I know for sure that he's doing that uh, because I trust him. Uh, and anyway, my 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 uh, my my question is basically. Uh, Paul mentioned the fact that he he was the lowest of the sinners and, and the apostles and 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 uh, uh, another another scripture that he that he mentioned his humility and and, and, I, and I don't remember that one. He's he said I'm the chief of sinners and I'm the least of the apostles. And uh, you're probably thinking of when he's talking about the the great condescension of Christ, where he says uh, that Christ humbled himself all the way to dying on the cross. Then he tells us as Christians to have the same mind, to have the mind of Christ, a humble mind. Uh, to, uh, in another place, he said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, because everything that you have has been given to you. Uh, every gift that you have, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, strut around about some ability to sing or preach or teach or whatever it is that your your strong gifting is. It's hard to strut when you admit that it's just gifted to me. God gave it to me. He entrusted it to me as a stewardship, so I can't be proud about it. So yeah, ta- Paul talked about humility a lot, which saves you from the great danger of pride. Brad? Uh, yeah, recognizing that it all is from the Lord, uh, and you know, and without Him we're we're nothing. Uh, but in Christ we have everything. But with Him, without Him, um, we're nothing. We're like the, you know the dust of the earth. Uh, and uh, I think having that that attitude is real important. Uh, I know I had a, a major auto accident when I was sixteen. I won't get into all of it at this time for the sake of time. But um, I had. Just everything was basically taken from me. It was a major brain injury. Couldn't process. Um, couldn't shower myself. Everything was taken from me. And before that accident, I thought I was pretty hot stuff. Um, <laughs> but when, as God began to to yeah. to restore and to heal, uh, I recognized that it's all from Him and it's God's grace. The prayer of Nebuchadnezzar is a is a wonderful uh, thing to read. I sort of relate to that prayer. Uh, when uh, Neb- as Nebuchadnezzar reveals after he's made like an animal, he comes back again and, and God re- restores him. And he just recognizing that, uh, that it all is from him. It's all from God and it's mm-hmm. not from us. And uh, when we have that attitude in heart, I think God can use us, um, you know, in much more than when we try to steal his glory by uh, trying to glorify ourselves, which is what we're trying to do. We're, we're stealing God's glory and God doesn't want to share his glory with anyone. God is worthy of all glory, all praise. It all has to go back to him. And as soon as you think it's about you, God has a wonderful ability to show you that it's not about you. So, yes. uh, Larry, thank you. Thank you for the great call, Larry, and the, and the good question and, and uh, the things you have pointed out. And uh, God bless you there in Palm Desert, California. Stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of books, DVDs for calling in. 
And let's grab a couple more calls as time allows. Lolita in Chino Valley, Arizona. How can we help Lolita? Oh, good afternoon, brothers. Thank you, Jeff and Brad. Um, I, I wanted to kind of encourage that guy that was upset about the abortion, because so am I. Uh, but I know that God's in control no matter what, and the only hope I have is that he is in control, and that we cannot even begin to understand his patience. Uh, so please, I, let, you know, I hope he just holds on. And in fact, uh, on, on October 31st on Family Talk, David Barton was giving an excellent sermon. He was giving the statistics on uh, Christians and the voting, and, and it really confirmed to me that the church is primarily at fault for why this country is falling apart. But then I also look at it as prophecy, because a lot of Christians don't want to vote. They, some of them said they don't care, but they will. But anyway, my question is, uh, the people that survive into the, uh, beyond the Great Tribulation survive into the millennium. Now, I know there's going to be death there. Um, those people that die, are they go- the good ones, <laughs> the faithful ones, are they going directly to heaven, or is God going to put them in a state of sleep until after a thousand years when Satan is abyss and then bring them back? Or how does that work? I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, you will note that when it talks about the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20, uh, it says that the books were open and the book of life was open. Then it says, whosoever, uh, whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, stop there because that tells us that some will be at that judgment whose names are found in the book of life or it wouldn't have put it that way. So, who is that? Well, it's the people, the believers that survive uh, uh, into the tribulation or survive the tribulation and go into the millennium. They live throughout the millennium. And then when the great white throne judgment comes to pass at the end of the millennium, they are the ones that go before Christ on that great white throne and their names are found written in the book of life. And they are of course, sent into heaven. So that's who, uh, that's where they go. That is their fate, or that's uh, God's promise to them. That uh, the tribulation saints, those saved during the tribulation, when Christ comes at the second advent and ushers in the millennial kingdom of a thousand years, they are given these supernatural, this ability to live supernaturally for a very long time. And they are the ones resurrected whose names are found written in the book of life and they're sent to heaven. So I hope that helps, Lolita. Our time is up. Brad, thank you so much for being with us. You're always a great guest and our prayers are with you in your Pacific Justice Institute. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great Wednesday. Remember, keep your head up, look up. Christ is coming soon. Be encouraged in him. We'll see you next time on To Every Man and Answer. God bless. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. 
The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 